So we are concluding our series called Be Rich. Be Rich is not a way for you to manipulate God to give you more cash so you can buy an expensive car. Be Rich comes from something uh, in the Bible, in Timothy, when Paul is talking to me, he says, Be rich in love and good deeds. Care for those around you. And in this season... In this season between like kind of like going into Thanksgiving and then going into Christmas, we want to be people who are rich with love and good deeds, sharing with anybody who has need. And one of the really important things about being rich is recognizing how rich we actually are and being grateful. So today, being in the season of Thanksgiving, there's a big holiday coming this Thursday, Thanksgiving. I thought it would be fun to talk about this word. Ingratitude. (laughs) Ingratitude. Very few things sting in a relationship like ingratitude. Feeling unappreciated never feels good, does it? And the reason it stings is because it's the opposite of what we think we expect or what we think we deserve. And you know how this goes. You all know how this goes. We know how this goes. We put ourselves out there for somebody. We sacrifice for them. We potentially raise them. We hire them. And perhaps we introduce them to all of our friends at the church uh, and introduce them to everybody we know. Maybe you marry this person and you build a life with this person for better, for worse, richer, for poor. And we all get to figure out who gets to control the remote in that relationship. Was it the football game or uh, the mass Singer Final Four? Anyway, I don't know why I have that in the script. Uh, Understandably, Maybe I'm just like getting back. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, understandably, you expect something to come back your way. And when the something doesn't come back your way, it stings. It hurts. And I have found personally that ingratitude hurts because of the words that are said, but more importantly, the words that are unsaid. It can feel like the attitudes and behaviors it can, come from, it can come from the attitudes and behaviors that a person exudes. Now, either way, whether we've all been on the receiving end of ingratitude. And here's the interesting thing about ingratitude. In, in, when it comes to ingratitude, the recipient of ingratitude is always aware. The initiator of ingratitude is rarely aware. And this is one of the mysteries of relationships. So you're in a relationship of any kind. You have a roommate, you have an old friend, you have a spouse, you have a child, you're dating somebody and everything is great. You think everything is wonderful. And then suddenly the person says to you, I just feel like you don't appreciate me. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been accused of being ungrateful? Now, no. Oh, wow. We actually have people that raise their hands. No one ever actually raises their hands for this. No one's Let me ask you a question. Has anyone here ever been 13 years old? <laughs> there you go. There you go. And here's the interesting thing. If somebody ever accuses you of being ungrateful, the first response is generally going to be, no, I totally feel grateful. I totally appreciate you. I just said it to you last Thanksgiving, Nicole. Don't you remember? <laughs> I said it. I said, I thank you. I'm so grateful for you. You don't remember that? Jeez, it sounds like you're the one who's ungrateful. Uh, <laughs> the problem is, is that we may feel grateful, but if we haven't expressed those feelings, it becomes a relational disconnect for the other person. 
And here's why this is important for every relationship that's ever existed in all of time. Gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determinative. Gratitude and ingratitude drive the direction and health of all of your relationships. They determine, they determine how much you are willing to entrust yourself to somebody else. They also determine how much you are going to let them in or how much they're going to let you in. And because there is such a disconnect, when we think things are good, when potentially things are not good, this subject is a really, really big deal. And today we're going to take a look at this idea of gratitude. We're going to take a look at something in the life of Jesus that was really interesting. And we're actually going to look in a book of the Bible. It's broken up into books. We're going to look at the book of Luke. Now, Luke uh, talks about Jesus in a unique way. He wrote the story to fill in the gaps where the other authors who wrote about Jesus did not write anything about. And he includes different details. And he actually went and investigated and talked to all the eyewitnesses that saw the things that Jesus did and said. And he wrote them all down in a book, and he was pretty unoriginal, and they called the book Luke. Hey, I'm Luke. We'll call my book Luke. And so today we're going to be talking about something in the book of Luke, which is in the life of Jesus, and I've entitled our sermon today, Gratitude. Let's invite God's presence one more time, and then let's take a look at God's word together. God, we come to you, and we want to hear from you. God, we're all like in this school, uh, singing songs and listening to a guy talk. And it's really weird if you don't show up and speak to us. So, God, I ask that you would come. You would talk to us. You'd talk to us about what's going on in our lives, the things that we're bringing before you, God. If we're unaware of something that you want to say to us, God, I ask that you would break through the noise in our head and you would speak to us right now, Jesus. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Luke who was the author of Luke, sets out to write a chronological story about Jesus. And in this story, Jesus takes us right to the heart of this idea of gratitude and ingratitude. And we read about it in Luke 17. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Luke 17. If you have an app, you can look at it. Or you can just focus your eyes on the screen. In Luke 17, starting in verse 11, it says this. Now, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Pause. I want to explain to you Samaria and Galilee. Here's what you need to know. Samaria was a region in Israel with a people that were called Samaritans. And Samaritans kept to themselves because they had been rejected by the Jewish people. The Jewish people didn't get along because they believed the Sumerians didn't believe the same things that they believed. And they were not following the same Jewish traditions uh, that the Jewish people were following. And they believed different things about God. They were neighbors, but they were also enemies. And so Jesus, who was a Jewish person, is on the border of Israel and Samaria. And he's headed towards Jerusalem, which is towards the center, the hub of all Jewish life. And this is what we read in verse 12. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. 10 men who had leprosy. Now, leprosy. Now, I recently read a statistic that in the last 20 years, 16 million people have been cured from leprosy. That's really exciting. People are being cured from leprosy. But in this day and age, 
Back in Jesus' time, people thought that there was no cure for leprosy. People thought it was highly contagious, and it is a terrible disease. It damages your nerves and your skin, and you can't feel your fingers and your toes, and it eventually kills you. And so what people did is they separated the lepers, people who had leprosy, away from the rest of society. And it was like these lepers were in their own prison without any walls. They weren't allowed to worship. They weren't allowed to see their family. They couldn't spend time with their friends. They couldn't participate in society. They were rejected. And most, uh, most egregiously, the, most people thought that lepers had done something wrong, which is why they had leprosy. So they were rejected by the society. These are sinners who are getting God's punishment and they just need to be away from us. And the issue is that you could live a long time with leprosy, but you could be very, very alone. And so the result is lepers would get together and they'd be like, hey, you got leprosy? Yeah, dog. Let's get together and let's build a leper colony. And they would hang out with each other and they would just try to survive. Okay. (laughs) I'm getting too old to say certain things. (laughs) Like, yeah, dog. You want to be a leper colony? Wet my... Luke 17, verse 12 and 13 says this. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now, generally in situations like this, what Jesus would do is he would walk over and he'd be like, what's the problem? They'd go, oh man, we have leprosy. And he would cure them of their leprosy and he would heal them, lay hands on them. them. He did this dozens and dozens of times, dozens of times. But instead, in this particular situation, Jesus does something different. Look at verse 14. It says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. The lepers were far away from each other. And they're like, hear Jesus yelling back at them. Go show yourself to the priest. And they say to her, go show yourself to the priest. Um, and, the, and someone says, oh, I think he said something about a feast. What did he say about these things? I think he said something about a beast. Was it the mark of the beast? I don't know. What did he say? And Jesus goes, go show yourself to the priests. Three things you need to know. What in the world is he talking about? Well, first of all, in the Old Testament, there was a law that said, if you had a disease that caused you to have to be away from society, if you were healed or cured from that disease, One of the things you needed to do is after you believed that you were healed, you needed to go show yourself to a priest. And that priest would give you a clean bill of health, which would indicate that you were allowed to re-enter into society. You could go back to your family, your friends, your community, and you could get back involved. The second thing we need to see here is we don't know where the priest was or how long it would take for these guys to travel to see a priest. It was like, hey, guys, start walking, start heading to the nearest priest. And imagine you're the priest and you see these 10 guys and you're like, what is going on here? What are all these people? Well, we yelled at a guy. He yelled back and here we are. Can you just check us out? Make sure we're good to go. The third thing we see is that for you to start walking, for you to have to commit to the journey, you're believing that something is going to happen on the way to see the priest. This is a big expression of your confidence or what we call faith. 
So they're thinking, so it's a really big deal, Jesus, for me to walk as far as I need to walk. And again, we don't know how far they had to walk. It's a really big deal to put myself out there with the priest. I really hope that this is something that's going to happen. I, I, I really hope I get healed along the way. And so to do what Jesus was asking them to do, it is an extraordinary expression of faith to start walking towards a priest before you get healed. And we don't know how long it was for them to go see the priest. We don't know if it was a few hours or if it was a few days to travel to see the priest. We don't know how much time it was. But here's what we know. In Luke 17, 14, we read, and as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. Like I said, we don't know if it was an hour, six hours, two days, six days. We don't know if it was an overnight trip to see the priest. But at some point along the way, between Jesus saying go and they go, sometime between point A and point B, they realized that they were healed. That they were healed from the thing that was keeping them from relationship with everyone. It was, they were marked as bad and Jesus said no more. No more. And this is where the story begins to intersect with our topic today. We read in verse 15. What does it say? It says, one of them, when he realized he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. So everybody gets healed. And they're like, oh my gosh. And they start running to the priest. And then as soon as they get to the priest, they go, look, check me out. And the priest goes, you're clear. Go for it. And then people start running back to their homes And they have their clean bill of health. And now they get to see their family and their friends. And everything is the way it should be. Except for one of them. He stops in his tracks. And he realizes, I've got to go do something. I've got to go back. And I've got to thank Jesus. And we don't know. Again, we don't know if he had to travel an hour, six hours, or six days. We don't know. But when we see this, we realize that he understood something That we all need to learn. And we see it in verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Essentially, what he did brings us to the application of our topic today. He went back to thank the one who enabled him to move forward with his life. We know this to be true. Every single one of us, you, me, all the people that are not in this room right now, every one of us, no matter how talented, some of you are pretty talented, no matter how hard you've worked, some of you have worked really hard to where you get up today. Some of you haven't worked so hard, you just got it for free, but you're included too. So much, so much has been accomplished by you because of your ambition and your discipline, how you've worked for it. No matter what you've been given, every single one of us can look in the rearview mirror of our lives and we can see people who have helped us become who we are today. It's true. All of us have people behind us who have made us who we are and have empowered us to do what we do. It's because of them that all things are possible in our lives. This guy understood that Jesus made it possible 
and enabled him to move forward with his life. He understood that. And friends, let me just say as a side, um, this whole idea, this is the reason why we come to worship on Sundays. And this is why we are willing. And if, if you're not a Jesus follower and you're looking in on this, I want to say, like, well, you, you, I don't even know how you ended up here. I mean, that's amazing. You got up before 10 a.m. to come sit here with us. I appreciate that. Why would these people do this? And some of them do it on a regular basis. And some of them like give a bunch of their money to make this thing happen. Why would they do this? They are worshiping God because of what God has done through Jesus. They're thanking him and they are grateful for him. And why would someone sing like this and this thing with this thing? Because they believe that God has done something that has, he has enabled them to do what they're doing and has enabled them to become who they are. And all of those things swirling around center on one single act. And that is the death and resurrection of Jesus. The the gospel is not, I obey, therefore I am accepted by God. The gospel is, I am accepted by God through what Jesus has done on the cross by dying in my place and showing that he had power over all things by rising from the dead. And because of that relationship, everything is being made new. The least I could do is worship him. Because he changed my life. That is what gratefulness looks like for the Christian. So if you're an outsider looking in and you wonder why are these people so committed? They believe that God has done something in their lives that is real. And um, I know everyone's kind of quiet right now. But if that's true for you, let me hear an amen. All right, cool, cool. And then if there was someone here that doesn't believe, they're like, I didn't say it. I feel excluded. Um, You are loved. And we're so grateful you're here. Okay. Um, So this is where we get to the tension of gratitude and ingratitude. As we keep reading, Jesus is so smart. We see something really fascinating. And he may have had a grin on his face when he did this. And he asks a question that gets at the heart of what we're talking about. In Luke 17, 17, he says, Jesus asked, you know, we're not all 10 cleansed. And I think he asked it facetiously. I mean, I sent 10 of them. Uh, Didn't the miracle not work? (laughs) Jesus is hilarious. Where where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Like, uh, was it just too much healing? Did I like run out of power? Like the electric bolts aren't working anymore? Like what happened? And then he asked another question in 17. He says, yeah, Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Jesus is a genius here. He's showing his audience that something is missing. There's something wrong with this picture. There's something incomplete. There's something open-ended and there's something that is unfinished. Do you know this experience when something is unfinished? When something has been done for you, but something is unfinished, something is complete. I'm going to give you an illustration. Recently, we went trick-or-treating on 16th Avenue, north of Montana, with our daughter, Marin. She's six years old. What did she go as? A unicorn? Uh, a mermaid? Okay, sure. Okay, it's all. I'm a really involved father. So, well, she was a unicorn last year, two years ago. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, time flies. You got to seize the moment. Um, 
she went as a mermaid, much like all six-year-olds do. And we went uh, to the area that just gets bombarded with all kinds of people where they have full-size candy bar handouts. And the people don't even come. They send their houseworkers who are there to deliver the candy. It's a wonderful situation that merges privilege with us getting more candy than we ever expected. <laughs> it's wonderful. And so here's what happens. You go up to the house and you talk to some adult and you weave your way through their garden to get to their door and they give the candy and our kid goes and immediately zooms off, zooms off, runs off without saying anything. And you know what's going through our head as parents. And you're like, Hey, 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 stop. What do you say? And then they turn around, they go, thank you. And then the people handing out the candy are like, you're welcome. They were actually waiting for it. But we know that there's something missing and there's something wrong without that thank you. What are you supposed to say when you get candy? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, actually, here's a little funny thing. We had, to, we had to make sure Marin said thank you for uh, one of the times because she went up to a particular house towards the end of the night and she was like... Um, she was like, she goes trick or treat and they go, here's some candy. And she looks at the candy uh, and she goes, ah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I really need this. You guys have any water? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, let me check. And so they go in the back, they come back and they give her a bottle of water and they like, here you go. And she goes, thank you. And she goes, Hey, and they, they said to her, they go, Hey, you keep asking for what you want in life, girl. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just glad someone else was the victim for a minute there because <laughs> I live with that woman, girl. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So when we watch a kid almost miss this, we almost like cringe. But when we begin to think about what we're grateful for, when it comes to us as an adult, it's easy to keep moving forward. We think about all the people that have helped us to go further and faster. And when we realize it and what we realize, what they've done for us, we also realize that something is missing. There is something that is unfinished. We can almost panic when a child doesn't say thank you for a little piece of candy or a full size candy bar. But as adults, it's just easy to keep moving forward. So then Jesus finishes the question and he says this, he says in verse 17 and 19, he says, Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And if you were to read this story in isolation, if you were to read it by yourself, your immediate reaction would be the same as a parent who watches a kid not say thank you for a piece of candy. You would say, how ungrateful. How ungrateful that all these people got their lives back. These 10 people got their lives back and they just went on their merry little way and they didn't even care to say thank you. How, how ungrateful, how unthankful is that? And furthermore, if we were to track down the other nine, like crazy people, we were to stalk them, figure out their social profile. Okay, it looks like they're at this location. We come, we stalk them, we find the other nine and be like, hey, what's up? Are you guys thankful? Are you guys grateful? They would be like, 
Of course we're grateful. It is amazing. Jesus gave our, us our lives back. We are so filled with gratitude. Our hearts and our minds are filled with gratitude. But here's what we can conclude by that. The other nine, they probably felt it, but they didn't express it. Is that a big deal? Seems like it's a big deal to Jesus. Where are the other nine? Didn't I send out 10? Something's wrong here. And as we head into this Thanksgiving season, this is a big deal for us. This is something that affects every single one of your relationships to the positive or to the negative. Every single relationship that you are in right now, every single relationship that I am in right now, the principle is playing out to the fullest degree, either to the positive or to the negative. It is this. Here's the principle. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. The gratitude you feel in your heart is also felt by other people. But if it is unexpressed, the other person, the other person feels and experiences your unexpressed gratitude as what? Ingratitude. And when gratitude is unexpressed, it is very likely that you are inadvertently expressing the exact opposite of what you intend to say. Or what you would intend to have the other person feel. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced as rejection. And here's how this works. It communicates, hey, I deserve that. I deserve that. Hey, it's just my mom. She's supposed to do that. I pay him to do that. He's supposed to do that. That's his jab. It's your job. It's your responsibility to do this. That's what it communicates. So over time, unexpressed gratitude has the same effect as rejection. Rejection. And here's what I know about you because it's true of me. Our hearts gravitate towards acceptance and our hearts are repelled by rejection. And let me give you an illustration. When your parents came to you and said, hey, we don't like so-and-so friend. We want you to stop hanging out with them. And your parents listed all the reasons why they don't like that person and why you should stay away from them. And at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, well, you know, they're my friends. I like them. I like them. Our hearts gravitate towards acceptance and they're repelled by rejection. Ingratitude is a subtle, subtle form of rejection. And which means you can ingratitude someone right out of your house. You can ingratitude yourself right out of somebody's heart. You can ingratitude yourself. uh, You can ingratitude a kid right out of your home. You can ingratitude the person you love the most right out of your life. Ingratitude is a subtle form of rejection. It's determinative. And over time, it has the full range of rejection. And this is why we have to do something about it. This isn't enough just to feel it. And I know maybe some of you right now are saying, I've got a couple of people I'm super grateful for. This is why we have to express it. It is critical in our relationships in our life. It's not enough to just think about it. 
And regardless of our personality, whether we're an expressive, you know, hey, I'd like to tell you how I feel, or you're an, a not-so-expressive person, you're an introvert, you're one of the numbers on the Enneagram that's less expressive. Uh, you, we, either way, we have to get around this because over time, ingratitude communicates rejection. You've got to find a way, regardless of your personality type, regardless how shy you are, regardless of how unemotional you are, you've got to figure out a way to get what's in your heart and in your mind into the mind and ears of somebody else. But it's even more than that. We can actually take this concept one step deeper. And this may bother you. And if it bothers you, hey, you know what? Uh, Tough. Um, But I think it's important for you to pay attention to why it bothers you. Why does this bother you? Unexpressed gratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. It's in your heart, but you say, hey... I'm not going to say anything. I don't need to say anything. They work for me. I mean, you know, I don't have to do anything. They work for me. Uh, This is what they're supposed to do. I don't have to say I'm grateful. She knows how I feel. I don't need to say anything. Our love has never seen a world, a world. Our love has never been seen in this world before. We don't need to say how we feel feel. Uh, he knows how I feel. I don't want to bother him with something like this. And she, I, the, the way I said, thank you, like three years ago was so impactful. I made quite an impression that day. So like, I think we're good for another couple of years, every five years. I'll say, thank you. In other words, if it's hard for you to say thankful, if it's hard for you to sit with somebody and sit down and say, you appreciate who they are and what they do, you need to ask yourself, why? Because if you are smart, which I think, yeah, this is a smart crowd because you are smart enough to know that you didn't get to where you are today by yourself. It came from other people and it came from a God that has given you everything. You are smart enough to know that the people in your life, they have helped you along the way. And if there's something in your life that is difficult, if it's that difficult for you to express ingratitude or your, your gratitude and it becomes perceived as ingratitude, that is something you need to pay attention to. In the wake of your progress as a person, There are dozens and dozens of people who have facilitated your success. There is a sense that you owe a debt of gratitude to somebody. And that unexpressed gratitude is a debt to that person that has yet to be paid. We have to close the loop. And so logically, we can come to this conclusion that expressed gratitude actually closes the loop. Express gratitude closes and finishes that circle or that loop that is just a part of the way life works. Anytime anybody does something for you, there's this, there's something incomplete until you tell them and express a thank you or your gratitude to them. And an incomplete relationship is not something that is sustainable. Think about this. And this is the bottom line. Gratitude. It's not enough to feel it. You have got to express it. And if you had talked to the guys, the other nine on their way to Jerusalem as they were going to see the priest, if you were to ask them, hey, are you grateful? They'd say, yeah, of course we're grateful. But it's not enough to feel it. 
we have to express it. And we are always going to express it the same way. We're not always going to say the same things. We're not going to always have the same bubbly energy or expressiveness. But this is important, especially to those people who have the closest relationships with you. Gratitude is determinative. It's either interpreted as acceptance or rejection. So let me ask you a personal question. Are you in the habit of expressing gratitude? Have you found a way to actually do it? How have you dealt with the loop that is required in your relationships? Are you expressing something or are you not expressing something? Do you feel it, but do you have yet to express it? Are you in the habit of expressing gratitude? Because what did I say? Unexpressed gratitude communicates rejection in gratitude. Or to ask the question in the context of what Jesus said in the story, are you going to be the one? Or are you going to be one of the nine? Are you going to be the one? Or are you going to go back and say, thank you? Or are you going to be one of the nine? I'm so thankful, but I'm going to keep that to myself and go on my merry little way. Are you going to be the one who returns? Will you be willing to temporarily, just temporarily stop your forward progress to say thank you to somebody who has done something for you to help you to get where you are today? It's not enough to feel it. We have to express it. Now, um, the problem is, this isn't going to go for all of you, but the problem is this, is that some of you are sitting next to someone and you're saying, man, I am so glad Chris talked about this today. <laughs> and here's what you're thinking. Here's what, here's what I'd be thinking if I was in your shoes. I would be saying, he's so right. I am so grateful. But if I express gratitude like today or like later on today or tomorrow... The only reason, they'll think that the only reason I'm doing this is because of the sermon. And so I'm just going to wait a couple of weeks. That is pride. That is your pride. I get it. None of us want some guy to tell us what to do. But I'm that guy today. And I completely get that. You know, I get that. I totally get that. But let me tell you the flip side of how this works. The person, if that person is in this room. If the person you need, you need to express gratitude to, especially because they're here right now, if you don't, it's going to sting even more. They're going to feel even more unappreciated. So do it. So just do it and do it now. And you can even reference me and then, you know, well, you know, know, it's really good what Pastor Chris had to say, right? And like, you can kind of transition into like, hey, well, it's really nice. And, uh, you know, Chris was talking about expressing and uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, you can do that. You can do that. Just own it, own it. And you know what? The person that you're with, that you need to say it to who's here, they'll appreciate it. They already know you heard it. There's like no getting around it. So you have, you might as well say it. It's not all of a sudden they're like, Oh yeah. Like he waited just, just enough time. And I think it's his idea. Like, (laughs) so just do it. Will you just do it? Let's express the gratitude we need to express to one another in this room and the people outside of this room. Um, you know, um, 
and I, and I talked about this before, like we are coming into the season of Thanksgiving and we have so much to be grateful for as Jesus followers. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, that's totally cool. We're totally glad that you're here. But as Jesus followers, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And that gives us something to be hopeful about. And I am so grateful for the things that God has done in my life this last year. And I was just reflecting um, I was just, I was just reflecting, um, we do a pre-service meeting and we were, we went around and we said what we're grateful for and everyone did like one or two words and I went on for like two minutes, uh, cause I'm so grateful. Uh, and, uh, one of the things I was so grateful about is like, like God has just been so faithful to me. Like I'm like kind of faithful to him. He is extraordinary faithfully faithful to me. He's been faithful to me. Uh, he's always committed to me, continues to meet me in my time of weakness. And my job is to run this church and to have, be a family man and to have a few friends. And then with some extra time, work out like my life. And my, this church doesn't move forward because of me. It moves forward in spite of me. And that is because the power of God is doing something. And I am grateful for that. And your lives, you're not that good at running your life. There is something that God is doing in you and through you that is amazing. And we need to come to him and be grateful for all of that. And there are people in your lives that you need to express that to as well. But, but in the end, to end the service, there is, there is a God who loves us, who's done so much for us that we just need to say, God, we thank you. We are grateful for you. We express it to you. And God, any way that you're inviting us to express it more, we invite that now. We invite you to show us how we can express our gratitude to you. Amen? Amen. Amen.